0: Hey, Husker fans, welcome to another episode of the Husker Big Red podcast with Chris Peterson and Danny Gillette. As always, go Big Red. Hey everybody! Welcome back to the Husker Big Red YouTube channel and another episode of our podcast. I'm Chris Peterson, and with me once again is my co-host, is Danny Gillette, and we're here to talk some uh, Nebraska Corn Huskers. And it's been a big week, a busy week for the Cornhuskers, and we'll just get things started off right away. A couple nights ago on Wednesday night, we finally got word from Kasei Tomanaga that he's going to come back to Nebraska for another season. He took some workouts with the Indiana Pacers, kind of took his time with the NBA draft process, which was a smart thing to do, but now Kesei's back. We you know, still have two roster spots to go, but we have a good idea of what this roster is going to look like, and um, with the big guy coming back, not big in stature, but big in terms of his ability to make an impact for the Corn Huskers, what does that mean for Nebraska basketball next season?
1: Not big in stature, but big in likability, and I think that's a huge, you know, part for Nebraska basketball as well. Um, in terms of what he brings on the court, he, you know, it's it's another bona fide shooter who now I think will have a full time starting role. Last season, he didn't start, if I remember correctly, but he started towards the, you know, the uh, Big Ten play in the second half of the year. Um, And so this brings another sniper to Nebraska basketball. And it also, and I wrote about this on Husker Big Red, allows for other players to play their game as well. Casey will require a certain amount of defensive attention. And um, he's a very good shooter. And I think that will open up, you know, the inside for, you know, players to drive the lane and a player like Josiah Alec to really kind of you know, establish his presence down low as well. You know, I think he does a good job, meaning Casey, of forcing the defense to commit to the perimeter game and open up areas for others. I mean, we saw that a little bit uh, with Derek Walker, you know, with the way that uh, Greasel and was able to, you know, play the perimeter and control the perimeter, for example, you know, that opened up stuff inside as well. So I think, you know, in terms of... Um, allowing other players to play their style of game, that helps. And then, you know, he is a high-percentage shooter. He doesn't take too many bad shots. It seems like he takes shots from everywhere, but they're not necessarily bad looks. And, you know, that gives Nebraska basketball a bona fide sniper on the floor and one that I think, you know, fits today's modern game of basketball very well because I can't remember the last time that nebraska basketball has had a pure shooter like this i don't know if you can off the top of your head but it'll be good to have him back you know for several reasons on the court and then off the court i mean he's just a fun guy to root for he has a fun guy playing a uh, fun time playing the game and that reflects and you know his just, he, he just smiles every time he's on the court and the fans love him and you know he's very marketable you know and you know, the the Japanese Steph Curry nickname and all that. So it's a win for Nebraska basketball for multiple reasons on and off the court. And, you know, it gives Nebraska yet another weapon to, you know, kind of fight through the big 10 conference like they did um, in the back half of last year.
0: Yeah. It's, it's really exciting. Like, you know, you made a lot of great points there. I think just, yeah, it's going to be a really fun season with uh, Kese Tomanaga back. I mean, he might be, my favorite Husker since Eric Piakowski. I mean, he's just – he's dynamic. Um, and I don't think people really understand. I think they kind of underrate, you know, what he did last year. I mean, he averaged – for the whole season, he averaged 13 points a game. He averaged 14 points a game in Big Ten play. And when he became a starter – um, you know, like, I think it was the last 14 games or whatever. He averaged 17 points a game as a starter. This guy was making, you know, two, almost three three-pointers a game, <clears throat> excuse me, in Big Ten play. Shot 40% from three-point range. So, I mean, he's a he's a dynamic scorer, and I think we're only going to see that increase this year. I think we're going to see more out of his game. You know, Fred Hoiberg's talked about how he's added, you know, weight to his body. He does look good. You know, I saw him in his Indiana Pacers workout. You know, he's got a lot more definition, um, like in his arms and stuff. So I would like to see him, um, which I think this team needs, you know, is to add a little bit more playmaking, see him a little bit more, you know, in ball screens, attacking with the basket a little bit more. So I, I do want to see some of that growth this year. Um, and I am hopeful that he can kind of be that guy for Nebraska. But all, more than anything, he just kind of fits in, and now they've got their number one kind of go-to score they can they can, um kind of feature the offense around rink mass you know down low is gonna you know get a lot of touches bryce williams um you mentioned you know a so there's a lot of really good pieces here and you take one of the top transfer portal classes and then you bring back in my opinion one of the I think a guy that's got a chance to be, you know, second, maybe even first team, you know, all Big Ten. I mean, I really believe that. So, I mean, you you add that in with, uh, you know, this other transfer portal class, and it's a it's a great haul for Nebraska. And I think there's a lot of, you know, reasons for Nebraska fans to be optimistic going into this season.
1: And in terms of his NBA future, he has a golden chance to really increase his stock and kind of, you know, solidify that he can be, you know, a sharpshooting three-point, you know, uh, magician I guess you could say because last season you know he did start you know the last you know 11 games or so as you mentioned but we didn't really get a full season of tape where NBA scouts could say okay uh, he's a he's a bona fide scorer he can do it over long stretches and you know he's exactly what we want for our team this year if he takes that leap or even stays the same in terms of production as he did in the back half of the season last year then I think he's got a legitimate shot to go to the NBA.
0: Yeah, definitely. And there's a lot of, like I said, kind of leading up to it, there's a lot of different paths too. you know, going to the NBA, whether it's being drafted, you know, getting into the G League, you know, getting a two-way contract. There's a lot of ways to kind of get that next step professionally. And I think he's going to have a lot of great opportunities at Nebraska. Fred Hoiberg, you know, is a guy that I think knows what it takes, obviously, to get to the league. He's coached in the NBA, and um, I think we're really going to see kind of that development piece. You know, some of these guys moving forward. You know, Bryce Williams. I think that's a big reason. You know, he chose to come to Nebraska to try to, you know, use that kind of skill set under Fred Hoiberg to, you know, develop his skills and and uh, you know, improve his NBA draft stock.
1: And there is a market, undoubtedly, for just straight three point shooters. I mean, you look at the Hauser brothers. Joey Hauser killed us um, when we played Michigan State, and then his brother Sam is with the Celtics, and Sam played a key role off the bench. He didn't really do a ton in terms of inside scoring or driving in the paint, but if you needed a three-point shot, he was there. And so, you know, I think there is a market for three-point shooters, and as much as, you know, we want Kesey to diversify his game and kind of, you know, add a little bit more playmaking to it. I think the game he has now, if he's just able to keep at it consistently and and refine it and continue to put up the same type of numbers, you know, I think he has a legitimate chance to carve himself a role.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I totally do. And I mean, he shoots the ball really well at an elite level. He doesn't, you know, like you said, he doesn't need a lot of room. Um, he takes, he can take shots from all over the floor. I mean, basically anywhere, you know, across half court, I mean, that guy can shoot the ball. And uh, so I think we're going to keep seeing more of that. And I mean, guys that can make those types of shots, you know, and and his cutting to the basket too. I mean, he, he finds a lot of different ways to score it. I think we're going to see more of that offensive arsenal, you know, this year, he's just going to, I mean, he's obviously going to be one of the highest, I think he's going to be one of the high usage players, you know, in the big 10 and probably in the country. I mean, he's going to be, you know, really, I think Nebraska's is really going to be leaning on him this year. Um, and yeah, it's just going to be a really exciting season. And personally just looking at this roster, I mean, I, I think that the NCAA tournament is a possibility. I don't want to, you know, get too into the hype or whatever. But just, it, I really think that Fred Hoiberg kind of found something at the end of this, you know, last season. And I just feel like Nebraska's in a really good spot. And I think people are sleeping on the Huskers. I mean, I really believe that going into this uh, Big Ten basketball season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And another thing, too, is when you're evaluating a shooter, and, you know, I'm not an NBA scout or anything, but one of the things I look for is, how well can they move without the basketball in terms of getting themselves open, getting themselves in, you know, a good position where they like to shoot? And, you know, Tomanaga can do that. I mean, the Hauser brothers can do that. So these types of shooters can also, you know, find their spot and find ways to get open in areas they feel comfortable. And as long as he continues to keep developing that part of his game, you know, I think that's a big bonus as well, because floor awareness, especially in terms of the corners – um, is crucial for a three-point shooter and you know I think Tominaga really has a chance to just refine his skills and get a full year of tape like I said earlier in order to make that NBA push
0: yeah and then just another year in the strength system um, you know adding to his defense I mean that's another thing teams NBA teams are really going to be Focused on and I think he mentioned that, you know, he did kind of an interview with the Indiana Pacer, you know, probably their media people. and You know, he talked about how he needs to improve his defense and that is that is a fair criticism. So I think he really utilized that NBA draft process, you know, to the fullest, you know, got evaluated, got some feedback. And I think now he has a good idea of what he needs to do to get to that next level. He's going to you know play with the Japanese national team. Um, you know, kind of this fall. So that's going to be really exciting. He's not going to be making the trip with Nebraska, I don't believe, to Spain um, because of that. But I think that's that's going to be better for his long term game anyway. And, uh, you know, he's going to come in in September, you know, having played some international competition. I do worry a little bit about him playing so much, but, you know, he's still a fairly young guy. So, I mean, I don't think we have to worry too much about the the grind and the wear and tear. But, um, yeah, it's it's a lot to be excited about we'll see what happens with the rest of this roster but i think nebraska fans can feel good that this team should should be you know playing some postseason basketball this next season if not then i think fred Hoyberg's going to have some questions to answer
1: yeah i know i said something to that effect uh, on uh, i think it was wednesday night people were like oh man you you already want to fire fred and blah 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 but he's had a fair amount of time to get this ship you know sailing so to speak and you know, he he hasn't been able to find that groove until the end of last year. So, I mean, at the very least, I expect some form of postseason play, NIT, NCAA. I do think they can make the NCAA, but I've learned to kind of, you know, temper my expectations <laughs> with um, with, you know, Hoyberg led teams as far as Nebraska is concerned. But some form of postseason play, I think, is is, you know, the bare minimum at this point with the roster that you know nebraska
0: has um yeah i completely agree and uh, we'll see how that works out and you know how this roster kind of takes shape here over the next couple of months um to transition now, it's June 2nd, and it's June, meaning it's official visit season for you know college football recruiting. And for Nebraska, that means a bunch of recruits coming in this weekend. We've seen some expert projections for guys that are going to be on campus this weekend, Mario Buford with a couple. And there actually is one bit of news we should talk about. Kamari McClellan was going to be a big visitor this weekend, the three-star quarterback that has kind of been – you know on the radar for the Huskers now that visit has been officially canceled according to Sean Callahan of Husker Online so Nebraska not taken two quarterbacks you know that was kind of my only question there's maybe they would be you know have a little bit of interest so um no no worry about that he's not coming um but what are your thoughts going into you know this big uh, weekend for the Huskers with with seven eight guys coming to campus for official visits
1: I feel really good about this weekend because there's a couple names uh, Caleb Pri from Corey Barney uh, Buford is also coming. And, you know, I feel like Buford, Barney, and uh, Pyfrom are three names in particular to watch. Uh, Peyton Morgan, I, I mean, he would be awesome to land, but I get the sense that he's kind of trending in a different direction. Um, Amari Sanders from uh, Gulliver Prep, he's from Miami, Florida. I mean, he's an interesting target, another corner. Um, you know, I think. His recruitment is still very much wide open, but it's good to get him on campus. So at the very least, you know, I think we could make some headway with uh, Buford, Barney, and Pyfrom, And, you know, Pyfrom would be a big get as, you know, um, this program continues to develop the offensive line. And then Barney out of Miami Palmetto, I think that's good just because he comes from Miami Palmetto. We already have a Miami Palmetto commitment in Wells McGahee. Now we have Barney and then Buford. I think he's, he's a very, very good player. He's a, he's a four-star player from Texas, and he's, he's a very solid corner. So uh, those three in particular are who I'm watching for, and I think it could end up being a very productive visit weekend, even with no commitments. You know, I think Nebraska could have a good chance to make some headway.
0: Yeah, it's it's always hard to know exactly when guys are gonna commit after, but I definitely would expect, you know, some commitments or at least some, you know, commitment announcements with Buford. Um, I do have a lot of confidence it's gonna be Nebraska. I don't know if he's gonna make you know, commitment this month. He's got the visit to, you know, Michigan state. He's still got the visit to Penn state. That doesn't mean that guys don't cancel visits. I mean, that happens all the time. So, you know, we'll see. I do think that Nebraska is is going to get him to a point where he's basically going to commit this weekend. Uh, you know, he might still take those other visits, you know, just, you know, as a, as a recruit to kind of, you know, get the full picture before you, you make a decision, which I understand, you know, wanting to do that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I do think Nebraska is going to, you know, put themselves in a position to close this weekend. And uh, Caleb Pfeiffer is a really uh, important recruit, I think. Um, you know, there was hope for Brandon Baker. You know, I, I think that that hope is really dwindling. He's basically said he's going to make a decision, you know, before – basically before the fall starts, and he wasn't going to visit Nebraska till then. So it doesn't seem like Nebraska going to get a visit. Chad Simmons, the top on three recruiting expert, you know, has already put in a prediction for Oregon. seemed like Oregon really – you know, kind of nom- um, you know, knocked his socks off, I guess, on his last visit, which is what I'm worried about with Gatlin Bear. But, you know, at any rate, that makes Kalen Pierson, I think, even more important at that tackle position to kind of lock that down. He's, um, according to On Three, he's the number six player in the state. He's ranked in the top 800, so you know, would be a really nice piece going forward and add another top player in the state. So he, he and Buford are the guys I'm focused on. But Barney, um, you know, is another guy. You know, I really like. um There's actually. You know, William Nettles, wide receiver from Texas coming in, I think is going to be an interesting yeah. to see what happens there. Um, and Joseph Anderson, the edge from, uh, you know, he's not ranked, but 6'5". This just was just a late kind of official visit added Iowa, you know, as the leader in the, according to the prediction machine, which focuses mostly on visits. So that's something to remember. Um, and Peyton Morgan, you know, I do think that the Huskers have some work to do, but, you know, they're going to have a chance. It's going to be hard to pull him out of Texas, though.
1: Carlin Jones is another interesting name. He's a very good uh, defensive lineman out of Bay City. Uh, Same city in high school as Bryce Turner. So I'll be interested to see if they can make any headway with him. Nebraska, you know, has needed depth at the defensive line position for quite some time now. And adding a guy like Jones would certainly be able to help with that. He's a very good playmaker. So I'll be interested to see, you know, what what kind of headway Nebraska can make with him as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, he's yeah one of the guys I'm really excited about in this class and are in this uh, visit weekend. And Nebraska's kind of trending up there. Another guy that they're battling with, uh, you know, with Texas Tech for, um, Garrett McGuire's dad, Joey McGuire, who used to be on, you know, Matt Rule's staff. Um, is a guy that. He's done a tremendous job, you know, recruiting the state of Texas the past couple of years. So that would be another one. And it's I, we should mention, too, um, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but Daniel Kalin is going to be on campus this weekend, you know, putting his money where his mouth is, basically saying that if, if recruits are going to be there, I want to be there. Um, you know, his official visit is uh, the 23rd, but doesn't surprise me at all. He's going to be on campus this weekend, you know, with Jacob Barney being on campus, William Nettles. Um, the wide receiver position is pretty interesting for Nebraska in that there's a lot of targets kind of on the board. I know Gaitland Bear's out there, but I really am concerned that, uh, you know, the same thing is going to happen with Gaitlin Bear that's going to happen with Brandon Baker. I just, it's, it's a long time. I know, like with Baker, they got him on campus twice. Um, It's just a long time to go from March till September without getting a kid on campus, especially if he's, you know, if Gaitlin Bear wasn't taking other visits this month, then that would be one thing. But he's going to Oregon and Michigan and TCU. So it's like those are your three biggest competitors. Why isn't he visiting Nebraska this month? That's my question.
1: We could I'm not going to say we could easily try to flip him, but we we've seen. Recruits commit and then decommit and then flip to another school. Recruiting is absolutely crazy nowadays. So until the kid actually takes the field or fin- or finishes a season with Oregon or some other big program, I'm not counting him out yet. I mean, recruiting is absolutely crazy. And then, you know, you talk about having Daniel Kalen on campus. Uh, Carter Nelson got a future cast prediction from uh, Greg Smith over at Rivals. So that's interesting. I saw – a tweet uh, where uh, Kalen was talking to Nelson about something. And I'll be interested to see how Kalen factors into that recruitment because a future cast for uh, Carter Nelson and even Nelson potentially coming here would be absolutely massive.
0: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, Greg Smith is a guy that, you know, I think is pretty plugged in in the Nebraska, you know, he went, um, he was at Hale varsity and went to Rivals. He's kind of working his way up there, but I respect, you know, his, I think he, so far, I mean, he's pretty new at Rivals, but he's like 86%, you know, prediction rate. And I think you can see why, to me, it makes sense why he's making the prediction at this point. I know Carter Nelson is still visiting Georgia this weekend. But they've taken two tight ends already and I just I really don't see him being part of a three man tight end class, no. you know, that already includes the fifty fifth ranked overall player. I'm not He's
1: too good, Nelson is yeah, uh, sit on the bench. I
0: agree with that. And that's just, that's with a lot of kids. I mean, you you know, you're not going to have like a lot of running backs. You know what I mean? Like Nathaniel Frazier, for instance, probably isn't going to join a class that has like three running backs in it. That's just not, that's just not the way things work anymore. I mean, it's like that at quarterback too, but these guys want to see the field and you really only get, I mean, the the truth of the matter is you get one, basically one chance to transfer before you're a graduate. So you really, I mean, even though you have that chance, you like don't want to use it if you don't have to, you know what I mean? So um, I, I feel like, the team I'm, I'm kind of worried about still is Notre Dame. He's taking a visit there. Um, I just know that that was kind of one school that you know seemed to you know be of interest of, to him. But I feel like he does have that connection with Kalen. They've, they're friends. They're building that, and I feel like that's going to be one instance where the peer recruiting can really make a difference for Nebraska. Is Daniel Kalen and uh, Carter Nelson?
1: And I want to say Nelson's visit to Notre Dame is this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he's going to Georgia this weekend and then Notre Dame
0: next weekend, right. I believe. Okay. So we'll see. I mean, it, yeah, it's not, I'm sure Georgia's still going to try to pitch him and all that. But yeah, it's just, to me, it's kind of, it feels like the Kamari, you know, like if M- Kamari McClellan had visited this weekend, like, you know, Nebraska's probably not taking his commitment. But like you said, you never know. Things do, things happen. And Georgia definitely has had some tight, you know, they did have the number one tight end in this class committed to them too. And he flipped on them. So, Things happen all the time. Even if you're Georgia, you get, you know, they they've lost a bunch of, you know, they lost the number one recruit in this class and the last class, you know, which isn't necessarily, you know, but, uh, then you know, tough for them. They had to get like the number four. But yeah. it, it goes to your point, though, that just because a commitment happens doesn't mean it's a signing. You know, a, a projection is not a commitment and a commitment is not a signing. That's just, you know, that's kind of the general way I think about it
1: and we've seen with this coaching staff how they'll keep fighting for a guy that they really want until the very end malachi coleman kalen i mean if they really want a guy they'll go after him and they'll go get him and um i just lost my train oh yeah dylan rayola i mean again he's entering a crowded quarterback room so i mean even that's interesting when you talk about you know carter nelson and there's two tight ends ahead of him well if you're georgia you have a crowded quarterback room, so Georgia seems to like loading up on talent. I just wonder how much of that will transfer out.
0: Yeah, because Georgia is taking two quarterbacks this class too, so I'm, you know, not both. Not both of those guys are going to start, and I don't think that you know Ryan Puglisi. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah. Is going to? I don't think. He, I mean, he, he's like ranked one fifteenth overall. He's like the ninth best quarterback in this class. Do you really think he's going to sit there and watch behind Dylan Raiola for three no. years? No, no. <laughs> that's not. No, he's not. No, he'll. He'll maybe sit there, he'll give his shot, you know, he'll maybe go, I mean, it's like, even if everything worked out perfectly, he wouldn't start until he was a senior and then he could probably, you know, start for two years. But it's like, that's just, that's like the Tom Brady, like Tom Brady did that at Michigan, like two decades ago, guys just don't do that anymore. You know, like look at Logan Smothers. I mean, that's nothing against him at all, but that's just, and Casey Thompson, that's just the path that, you know, if, if the one year transfer was available, you know, like, a lot of guys would have utilized it, you know what I mean, back in the day.
1: Logan Smothers, I feel like he did his due time, though, because there were times last year where I thought he should have gotten uh, some more playing time, and Mark Whipple was too hard-headed. And then, um, you know, we, we saw him start at the end of 2021, and, you know, I think Smothers did his due time. Thompson, I can understand. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm just really interested to see how that quarterback for Georgia shakes out, because Puglisi, I mean, he's no slouch, and – then you have Rayola, who's probably, I would say, he's probably going to start at Georgia sometime in the near future. I don't think he's going to be sitting on the bench for long. I mean, it all goes back to development and things like that. But, I mean, it's just really interesting how Georgia can get an embarrassment of riches, and Nebraska is struggling over here to even land an offensive lineman. So, there you go. That's what winning does, people. That's what winning does. Winning cures all.
0: It does. And then when you're in the SEC, you know what I mean, because – you know, Georgia's up Georgia was like always probably like a top 15 or 20 recruiting program and then you win the national championships and everybody's going to the NFL and it you know it doesn't take that much but even I mean but you're right on the winning aspect because like you want to talk about Nil and stuff like Georgia's not a team that people are always talking about with Nil you know what I mean and and Michigan isn't either but those are the top two you know teams in terms of the recruiting rankings this class and so i think that that does show that even though nil is still a big thing i think it's becoming less of a thing on the recruiting trail a little bit because i think these guys are starting to see like hey you know the nil the the money like the Jaden rashada thing i think they are starting to see like it doesn't always work out but like in the long term if i can get myself into the nfl as a first round pick that's going to be more valuable and and if you go and play well anywhere in college football, like the NIL money will follow you. And so I think players are starting to, to realize that a little bit. Not that they're not talking about it, but I just think it's becoming less of like, what can you pay me right this second to, to commit to your school? I think that's becoming a little bit less of a thing with some kids, not with all. There's going to be some kids that are going to take that highest payday and boom. You know what I mean? So it, it, it is what it is. But I just think. For Nebraska and for other schools that you know maybe don't have the NIL of like a Miami or a Michigan State or um you know USC or whoever, I, I do think that there's hope out there. You know that uh, that kids are, are looking for other stuff besides a payday.
1: And it's also easy to be national champions in the uh, SEC when you stay at eight conference games. Oh so. my God, that's so weak. I just come on, man.
0: Eight games. You like what's the point of just from a. Just from a fan perspective, whether – I don't care about – just as a fan of college football, like we lost in that because now yeah. now we're just going to sit here and see more of like Jacksonville State against Alabama in November. Yeah. Like we just don't need to see those games and it's just – it's a joke. I don't know why like the ACC and and they, they want to sit there and say like their strength of schedule is so tough, but it's like come on, man. You're, you're going to a 12-team playoff. Like two losses isn't going to sink you in. It's just yeah. – to me it's about a bunch of these – What I think it more honestly is, it's that like the Kentuckys and the South Carolinas of the world, they're afraid if they don't have that fourth team to beat up on, then they're not going to get their six and six bowl game. And I just think that that's short sighted. And I I really hope it only lasts for one season.
1: I (laughs) mean, meanwhile, you have the guys like Georgia who play the absolute gauntlet of Tennessee Martin ball state south carolina and uab to open up the season i mean man that's a that's a tough slate right there i mean it's absolutely ridiculous this almost guarantees a path for them to get back to the uh national championship i mean even with the 12 team playoff i i don't really see anybody you know beating georgia but at the same time you're already giving them a head start by giving them quite frankly four winnable games i mean the I get the college football playoff was designed for parody and things like that. But if they keep giving them these cupcake schedules, it's just going to be more of the same.
0: Well, and I I saw a really interesting piece. It was by uh, Chris Hummer, I believe of 24 seven sports, but he was talking about, because the one reason they've said with this eight team schedule and get this, it doesn't, for some reason they're saying if they go to nine games, it will be harder to maintain their rivalries than if they play eight, which to me makes absolutely no sense. And it's like, There's not there's not a single team in the SEC or frankly, I don't think there's a team in college football that needs more than three protected rivals. You know what I mean? Like if you're Alabama, it would be Auburn, Tennessee. And I can't think of another one. You know what I mean? Yeah. LSU. But even that is like that's still a fairly recent. You know, that's not like a super historic rivalry. You know what I mean? Like who's so Georgia's would be Florida. Uh, Florida's their big rival. And then I don't even know. Tennessee? I mean, mate, I guess because uh, they're a division. T- like, Georgia doesn't even – I mean, Ole Miss, Auburn. Yeah. I guess Georgia and Auburn have a weird rivalry.
1: Georgia, Aub- or Auburn. Auburn, so, Tennessee, and Florida. For yeah. Georgia. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, come
0: on, dudes. Like, there's – the and that way you would have your three protected games every year, and then there's still 12 teams out there. So, you would play, you know, half the SEC one year and then half – so, then basically – every other year you would play a team in the conference whereas right now Texas A&M's been in the SEC since 2012 they've played Georgia one time in 11 years what kind of scheduling is that
1: that's, that's awful scheduling I mean, it's protective scheduling cuz it is texas yeah. a&m knows they're going to get their shit kicked in
0: Well, you can't tell me that the, you can't tell me the sec has purposely avoided scheduling georgia and alabama in the regular season cuz they haven't they've been the top two teams in the country and. And they just haven't found ground up on the schedule in the regular season. Why? Because they don't want them to lose that game and hurt their own playoff chances. That's right. why, and that's, that's why they
1: exactly why.
0: And this is that's exactly why they don't want to do this nine game schedule because they don't want Georgia and Alabama to have to play every other year. They don't want, you know what I mean. So it's it's just really annoying. And for a and, conference that wants to act yeah. like it's the biggest and the baddest and the toughest, you're scared. You're scared to play a nine game league schedule, which the Big Ten's been doing for years now. And yeah, sometimes it does hurt. And yeah, sometimes you do have to play five conference road games, but grow up, put your big boy pants on and deal with it. You wanted the money. Now let's actually put, put out a product that people want to pay for. Not this bull crap, like group of five FCS matchups that we're going to see in November. Like that's, that's just crap. That would be like in the NFL being like, well, we're going to stop the season to have a preseason game, you know, in the, in the, in the middle of a playoff chase. Like it's just ridiculous.
1: And the fact that the the winner and loser, well let's just say the loser of the SEC championship game doesn't even move down much in terms of the top because let's be real here. If you make the SEC championship game, you're most likely in the top four for the college football playoff. The fact that the loser doesn't even move down much in terms of, you know, the rankings is just it's almost like okay, like what are we doing here?
0: Yeah, I agree. And well, it's like they
1: it's like they made a
0: conscious decision. Like I remember I know there was a quote that came from like Billy Napier, the Florida coach out of these meetings. Like, do we know what the, you know, if the, if the committee is going to, you know, weigh strength of schedule in 2024. So it's like, they literally looked at the easiest paths possible and just said, let's do that because I don't think the, the committee is going to worry about strength of schedule. And the committee is going to be like, well, they're from the sec. So who cares? I mean, that's, that's the attitude now. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I like, that's why I'm glad that with this new format, the 12 team, that there's a guarantee of the the top six conference champions get a bid because all these smaller school, like I just, to me, it never made any sense like to say, okay, you're, you're Northern Illinois in the Mac. And even if you have the best season possible, you still can't play for the national title. Like now it it did happen with Cincinnati, but now there's at least a path for it. And, And that I think is a good thing for college football.
1: It almost makes me wonder what the, what this would be like if they stuck to the old BCS computer ranking system. Like, would we <laughs> see more parity with that now than we've had in the past couple of years in the playoff? I mean, I, I still think the whole, the BCS computer system was very flawed, but it makes me wonder about the parity aspect of it. Like, I don't know. Did the uh, did the initial fourteen team playoff really change that much? It's, like, it's, it's, it's just like the same thing. Oh, NIL is going to ruin college football. Alabama, Georgia are going to be in it all the time. They're going to be in the national championship all the time. They were in the national championship all the time before this NIL thing came big. It's, uh, you know, kind of became big. It's not going to change, you know, too much, I don't think. If anything, we're seeing teams like Miami and Nebraska and, you know, programs like that really put a more conscious effort into NIL. And truth be told, I would rather. You know the Penn States, the Nebraskas, the Miamis, the USC, the even the Notre Dame's. And I hate Notre Dame, but those types of schools, I would rather them be at the center stage of college football again than have the same SEC teams in the college football playoff every single year.
0: Yeah, I agree, and it's yeah, it would be interesting to see how it would play out with the BCS because I I do think the fourteen playoff only strengthened the SEC, and I am worried yeah. that the 12-team playoff is because there's going to be, like, six teams in there. You know, every team that's, like, not a conference, <laughs> just, like, five, they'll be like, well, these SEC teams are pretty good, even though they didn't play anybody and only played eight conference games. But, um, yeah, it's just – I don't know. I I mean, I do agree with the SEC, and it's a, it's a strong league. I mean, they they the proof is in the pudding, but this is just this nine-game – this not playing a nine-game schedule to me is so weak sauce, and it's it just – I At some point, college football teams just have to get past this idea of like, you know, we're going to you just play some games, man, like play some good teams. And if you're good enough, you'll make it like you shouldn't you shouldn't have to manipulate your schedule to make the 12 the team playoff. Like, in my opinion, just play the damn schedule. If it's hard, it's hard. But if you're good enough, you'll make it. You don't need to worry about it. Like, that's just that's my opinion on it.
1: They know it'll drive up money and ratings, though. That's the thing. They know people will tune in, especially, you know, down sales. Then, it, but it
0: does. But that's them. almost the. But that is the thing, though. Too is you're taking away. You know, if you had a ninth SEC game, like you're taking a lot of good games off. So that is also why I don't understand it. Because it's like, wouldn't you think their TV partners would want more of those actual like the games people want to see SEC games instead of Alabama versus like Sam Houston State in the middle of November? That's why I don't get it from. Because usually yeah. stuff is driven by money, so that that is the weird part of it to me.
1: I don't know. It just makes it just makes things easier for the SEC. And truth be told, I could even see this twelve team playoff just becoming the SEC slugfest, and everybody else standing by the wayside watching.
0: Oh yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be like four SEC teams in it probably every year at least. You know, like the uh, Big Ten, the Big Ten probably will be be lucky to ever get two. I mean, it probably will yeah. get to you know like. I mean, last year they might have got three because last year was a really strong year with Penn State actually losing two games. So I shouldn't I shouldn't say that, but I, I definitely think that, and the the Big Ten's probably in that power too. I mean, now that once USC comes over, the Big Ten and the SEC are probably going to you know scoop up like all the at large bids if we're thinking about it, most of them anyway.
1: I mean, yeah, but you look at the level of talent in the SEC compared to like the Big Ten. I feel like. I feel like, you know, the Big Ten is just going to get absolutely walloped. I mean, you look at Ohio State, they've, they have they were close to winning it. I mean, granted, last year, but even still, like, the, Georgia was able to hang on and win it and whatever, but it's just like, it just favors the SEC more, and that's, you know, I don't know, you know, I think the whole concept of the playoffs and parity and letting more teams in is kind of, silly because it's just going to let more of the bigger competition get in
0: yeah that that is true um I, th- I think the one thing that will help is that you know like a team like nebraska per se it's going to be really hard for nebraska to probably ever make the 14 playoff but i do think yeah. they could make the 12 team one and so i just think once more teams make it and they can recruit see that like you don't have to go to florida or georgia to make the playoff i do think that will will change the like, recruiting a little bit um just you know Kind of with with a little bit more parity, and then I do think that at times we're going to see, you know, like some of these SEC teams that we thought were that were good, and and then, you know Georgia and Alabama and those teams like at the top will probably still win, but I think at some point maybe we'll see, you know, some of these teams that get overseeded, you know, kind of get beat a little bit, you know, like we we see it in the bowl games sometimes, mm. you know, so it's it's hard to predict one way or the other, but yeah, the SEC is going to dominate this playoff, the twelve team one, just like they dominated the four team one, and until teams figure out how to consistently beat Georgia and Alabama, that's not really going to change no matter what format you use, really.
1: And uh, and the other part of it, too, is, you know, how do you beat Georgia and Alabama? You go down to Florida, you go down to Louisiana, you go down to Georgia and recruit, except for the fact that Nick Saban and Kirby Smart has all those areas locked down. They have all those areas locked down, and, you know, they have, you know, the Georgia – You know alabama areas even florida even florida they have those areas locked down so it's going to be you know more than just about figuring out how to win it's going to have to be you know scratching and clawing your way through through recruiting if you wanted to recruit down south
0: yeah it really it's going to be a process and hopefully you know nebraska will get there someday um
1: just stay out of texas and stay out of nebraska yeah
0: yeah yeah we'll be good um so went off a little bit of a tangent there but it was a fun one on the SEC but uh, make sure guys um, you know for all your Nebraska content we'll have some more videos um, coming up especially on Monday to wrap up this recruiting weekend is a lot of articles on huskerbigred.com so make sure you check out our website hit the subscribe button get into the comments section hit the like button let us know what you think about the recruiting process matt rule the sec only playing eight games whatever and we want to hear your thoughts so (laughs) and uh, as always everybody we love to share our opinions. so thanks for interacting with us
1: and uh, go big red go big red